Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast, the Prince Tribute Special, Part 1. It's been seven hours and fifteen days since you took your love away. I go out every night and sleep all day since you took your love away.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Funkenberry podcast, our special Prince tribute, part one. Um, hope you guys are doing as well as can be. Um, I've been having a little bit of a hard time with some stuff, but uh, got to be strong for a bunch of people, um, for you guys as well. And we're going to go through this. And um, I appreciate all the people that sent in voice messages that we're going to play. I just want to touch base on a few things. Um, <clears throat> just because there's um, so many things out there that are not factual. And we're going to stick to the facts here to kick it off. Um, uh, the weekend before April 21st, 2016. Um, <clears throat> there was a plane incident that uh, Prince was on. All we really know now from official information is that the plane had to go down. Uh, it's being described by Prince's camp as he was battling the flu and suffering from the flu. That's the official information that we have. He was treated at the hospital. He did not want to stay. Um, they weren't going to offer him a private room. Um, the story broke everywhere, which I'm sure right off the bat started off probably one of the most upsetting weeks uh, that Prince ever had. Um, I'm contacted when this story is breaking to get the word out that Prince wants to have a party at Paisley Park uh, the next night, and he wants me to be there. And I'm like, if he wants me to be there, I'll be there. Um, <clears throat> apparently, um, Tamron Hall, who's a host of the Today Show here in the U.S., was also contacted to attend. Um, she couldn't. So basically, um, me, myself, and Tamron were invited to this um, to report on it along with uh, John Bream who showed up a little bit later that night. Um, when I first saw Prince, he looked uh, very perturbed, upset. Um, it wasn't like he was smiling coming out of uh, the studio area of Paisley Park. Um, and literally, like, less than 25 seconds later, he was on the stage um, talking about the plane thing. There was never really a denial about anything. Even uh, when he was tweeting uh, the day before, when he was already out of the hospital, by the time the story broke, he was, like, now listening to Controversy on Tidal. Uh, just a very princely way of doing things always. Um, he went on stage and he said, um, strange days, huh? You know, and he's like, when you hear things like the like this, give it a few days, wait a few days, say your prayers. And then uh, he started talking about <clears throat> Kirk Johnson, you know, give it up for Dr. Kirk. Um, he never explained that, but we'll lead into that what you want. And then he talked about how he just performed in Atlanta before this plane thing happened. And how it was the best shows of the tour. And he was going to play us 30 minutes of that show because he wants to turn it into a live album. And 
He wants to do a few more shows, work on the sound a little bit. Then he said he had something else to show us. And um, we went into the other room. Uh, we walked, he went through the corridor, which used to have a print symbol on it for decades and now was no longer there. It was just a plain white wall. Um, so behind him, he can use the kaleidoscope when playing the piano because the piano was set up. It was covered with a purple sheet and he re-unveiled it. It was the um, piano he just got from Yamaha and he was very happy to unveil it and see people's reactions and talk about how beautiful it was. And then he uh, wanted to play on it for a moment and he played chopsticks and then this classical piece that still I cannot think of. And then he decided to show us another gift, another toy that he got, an, a guitar that was quite shiny along with the casing it was in. And, uh, you know, people were asking him to play it after he took it out. And he said he has to concentrate on the piano now. He wants to get better at it because that's where he's thinking. And he goes, you know, I listen to other artists at times. I try not to get influenced by other music. Just like when you're doing something else, you get influenced by that. So he doesn't want to be influenced. You know, he was being playful. He seemed more cheerful than he was in the other room when he made uh, the announcement. So he stopped someone from taking a photo. And then, <clears throat> you know, he wanted to tell us again. He wanted to thank Kirk again. And then <clears throat> he said again, when you hear stuff like that, wait a few days before saying your prayers. Thank you. And they played the Atlanta album, which sounded amazing. And, you know, I never thought that was uh, going to be my last time uh, seeing him. <clears throat> you know, we uh, we get through the week. You know, we record the podcast, let everyone know that he's okay. This is all things that he would have wanted. He didn't want you worrying about him. Um, I think at the time, he just didn't want a big fuss being made over him. And, you know, like the week goes by and then uh, Thursday hits and April 21st, 2016 is a day that I'll never forget. Um, I woke up around seven o'clock in the morning uh, Pacific time. Don't know why. Use the restroom, check my phone, see if there's any stuff going on. There wasn't. Um, less than an hour later, I'm getting text uh, <clears throat> from someone that's been close to Prince that they're they're worried about him that they can't reach him and then um, there's other fans sending me stuff that stuff's going down in Paisley and until I see photos I don't believe it and um, lo and behold I see photo of an ambulance there so I contact someone to see what's going on there and uh <clears throat> literally while I'm getting off that call to see what's going on just because the report said they found a body at Paisley Park and uh, you know the first instinct like it can't be him can't be him right um, the, the next call I get is um, Harvey Levin from TMZ got my number and uh, he goes Hey, um, I'm sorry, like it's 95%, it's him. You know, I want to go with the live of the story, but out of respect, 
I'll give you 10 minutes to try and find out if it isn't him. But I'm going live with the story found here from you. Like, okay. Um, I call back the person. They, um, the line's busy. It's You can ring, but there's a busy call coming in. I call uh, a person another five minutes, and they don't pick up this end of voicemail. And to me, that just confirmed everything. Um, the week before... Like when they said they wanted me to help promote the party and he wants you to come, I never asked if he's okay because them reaching out to me is letting me know he's okay. When I don't hear from them, it's a problem. And then um, my Twitter feed, my social media feeds are just going nuts and you guys are um, wanting me to confirm that he's passing. And I know you're all looking to me and you want me to say it's not true. And there's a part of me that knows like as soon as I put it out that doubt that hope that it isn't him crushes you all and I couldn't do it um, <clears throat> I let TMZ go with the story uh, that's just not something that I want to break not something I would be proud of um, and to this moment, I, I really haven't cried. I'm still in shock. Like I said, I'm trying to be strong for for you guys and for so many other people and for him because there's too much stuff happening that he would not be cool with. Um, but at that time, it's like, you know, I, I see you guys and it's, it's hurting me. Like, please say it's not true. I'm getting texts from friends that know him and they're not hearing back from me. And, and I know they know, just like what I know, when you don't hear back, it means um, it's not good news. Um, <clears throat> so unfortunately, I, I had to confirm uh, the news that I'm still hoping is uh, not true. Um, that Prince Rogers Nelson uh, passed away on April 21st, 2016, at the age of 57 years old in his Paisley Park studios. And it was tough. Like, I couldn't take any phone calls. There's just too many, too many texts, too much messages on Facebook, on Twitter, and just everything just explodes. And I'm just stunned. Um, you know, I, I had work stuff to do that day and people were coming at me and, you know, I never like, really let like people that I know that I work with. I'm going to say last week I had to go visit my friend in Minnesota. I just said that I didn't say Prince wants me to come out. Um, just to see you guys and just see all your tweets at me. I never even checked his feed or other stuff. It just, it was so heartbreaking. Um, you know, and I never, I don't think he really knew how much you guys cared for him, how much you loved him. Um, he loved you guys. Um, but he he didn't like people worrying over him. I mean, look, he wanted to do this party the week before. He, he didn't want it. And I'm sure that he's somewhere. He heard it. He knew that you guys were hurting. Um, I can't give you any more comfort than that but as much as you guys cared for him and loved him and supported him through all his fights and how sometimes it was difficult being a fan he had appreciation for you he even said it at his last shows at paisley park that he really has the most 
music-loving, appreciative fans in the world. Um, I know that doesn't make things easier. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do maybe for you guys is give a little bit of closure and let you guys speak and let your emotions open. And we're going to share stories after we get past this. We're going to, we're going to focus on the positive. We're going to be uplifted. We're going to do everything we can to share personal stories that no one has ever heard before. And there's going to be some people that share other stories, but all these other things that came out even before they had a chance to take his body out. I really don't understand the necessity that they had to tell that he passed away in the elevator. Did it, did it really matter if it was on a couch? Didn't matter. I just, and I know that everyone got a little creeped out cause you know, don't let the elevator break us down from let's go crazy, which was synthesis for the devil. And you know, someone else put it in a, such a better way that Prince, uh, didn't die. He was just punching a higher floor. I like to think of it that way is that he needed the elevator to take him away from everything that he was going through. And just to, you know, we're all mourning, we're all hurting and it's such a new wound. And it seems like every six hours, there's a new stupid story coming out. Um, Harvey's calling me, letting me know that this is going on. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing that? I'm like, dude, like I didn't hear anything. Like, I'm sorry, I can't help you with this. Uh, but if you know they're going a certain route, and I'm not going to be a part of it, and the questions he's asking is just it's too soon after the passing, and it's stuff that I don't know about. Um, <clears throat> and just every single day to have stuff come out, and then have certain people that care for him, but at the same time, it's a little bit of an act. It's turning the knife inside me. Um, I can't really name names. I think it's better to just protect you guys from it because I think it would hurt you. <sighs> um, you know, he, he was a giving person. I hear stuff about him being selfish and other things, and that's never what I saw. Every time that he saw me, that we talked, he asked me how my health was, how I was doing, you know, always showed concern, you know, gave me the brother handshake, you know, would have a smile. We cracked jokes, you know, it just, and just, he said something to me before, and we're going to get into some messages right now, but I just wanted to state this with you guys is that, you know, he, he has a bunch of friends. He's all, he would be like with Larry Graham. I don't need to see Larry every day for him to be my friend. You know, we're friends, you know, and I just want to put it that way that you guys, he didn't never wanted to really call you fans. He made up terms of fans. He was friends. That's the first thing that he called you guys back in the day. And that's how I look at it is that you're this, you lost a friend that you can't see now, but he'll always be your friend and you will see him again one day.
I'll never forget being able to dance with Prince during the Musicology Tour in Atlanta. It was one of the highlights of my life. I got to sing Take Me With You with him, and he handed me the gun-shaped microphone and everything. This is Carla in Miami, Florida. I've traveled to two countries and maybe three states, and in my life saw him probably eight to ten times. I'm just honored to have been able to share time and space with him. Thank you so much for letting us share our thoughts. Hi, my name is Josephine. Uh, I'm 17. I'm from France. Uh, Prince, I've always been a support for me and my brother through these years. Um, and I just want to say that Prince... I love you and I miss you and I wish you will still be around and I know you're still around in some way so um so just know I love you so so much and make that heaven rocks angel My prince story is from March 1986 I um was a kid in Minneapolis Minnesota I was uh, 17 years old and I wanted to see Brown Marks band Maserati play at First Avenue uh, I couldn't get in, of course. I was underage, so I hung out with a friend, and I had an autograph book, and I hung out in the back of First Avenue, which is a parking garage where the buses used to go for, uh, used to be a bus station one time. I hung out for a long time. It was really cold. Um, during the night, Brown Mark came in, and then Bobby Z, then Matt Fink, and Wendy and Lisa. I was like, oh my God, maybe Prince is going to show up. They all signed my book, and then I'm waiting, and then I see a, a van pull up, and had a really intense uh, dude driving and Prince in the passenger seat. And I was like, wow, maybe I'm really going to get Prince's autograph. I was really excited. And then the van left. And I was like, oh, no. And Prince didn't play that night. Um, the Revolution went on stage and played with Maserati. But I think because I was in the parking garage by the entrance and I was the only one there, they didn't know who I was. His security guard saw me and said no. So that's my Prince story I wanted to share with you. It's kind of sad. It's kind of like I wrecked a Prince concert. But that's my story. It's pretty unique. Okay? Thank you for everything and take care. Bye. Thank you guys for sharing your story. So speaking of stories, we're going to go into uh, an odd one. Um, I listened to a lot of music as a kid, didn't really know the artist, I just knew what I liked and I would dance to it. That's it. Wasn't about anything else. Um, I couldn't afford certain things, so it was just the music would entertain me. And then um, when Doves Cry played on the radio, blew my mind. I had to see Purple Rain, had to see what it was about. R-rated, you know. 10 years old, can't remember what was more exciting than seeing R-rated. What makes it R-rated? And then uh, just the music, Let's Go Crazy and everything else just blew me away. And Apollonia uh, took my breath away, blew my mind, and so many other things at the same time. I had feelings inside me that I don't think a normal 10-year-old should be feeling. Um, it was quite interesting. And I got the Purple Rain album, CD or whatnot um, on a very rainy day. Man, I played that sucker out 
Like I played it so hard. Like in three months, I need another copy. Every three months for like two years, I need another copy. And then like, I didn't, like I said, I loved music. I didn't know certain things. I didn't research Prince. There wasn't like a lot of books on them. I just knew that I loved Purple Rain and I would try to catch everything I could on free TV or whatnot. So one day I'm begging my grandmother to go to the swap meet because a friend was telling me that they have like Prince buttons and shirts. I'm like, oh my God, da, 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 da. you know, and then like, she's like, okay, you only spend like 15, $20. I'm like, all right. And you know, the 5 p.m. gets there the entire day. We're going to places I don't want to go to. 5 p.m. gets there. I want to spend like two hours there. The first thing we go to, I see the 1999 album right there. And it says Prince. I'm like, what? He's got another album other than Purple Rain? I had no idea. So don't take my purple card away. Just remember, I'm 10 years old. So I now I have the cassette. I bought it. I wasted my 20 bucks. Um, I want to go back home. Screw staying to swap me for two hours looking at stuff. I want to hear this music that I haven't heard before. And I'm like, 1999, Little Red Corvette, Delirious. And I'm like, these song titles sound familiar. That's interesting. So get home. Took forever to get there. You know, as a kid, like it was probably 15 minutes and feels like felt like three hours. Played that 1999 album. 1999, I'm like, I swear I heard that before. Little Red Corvette, I swear I heard that before. And then... Delirious hits. I'm like, I know I heard this before. And I slapped myself upside the head. So I'm seven or eight years old, you know, wanting to learn these artists, wanting to know their names, especially because these songs were so good. Um, and it was either Lil Red Corvette or Delirious. I believe it was Delirious. I'm eight years old, flashing back a few years before. And I would keep wanting to find out who was this guy singing that song. And every single time they played the song, they started talking about Prince. And I'm like, ugh, why are they talking about Prince Charles every time they play this song? When I was eight, it didn't hit me that someone could have the name Prince. And I totally forgot. I guess as we were kids, our memory isn't that good because I have a pretty good memory now. And it totally slipped my mind. And I just went, that's it. I'm a fan for life. Like two two of the albums I had, like my grandfather would get me a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't two albums of one artist that I really liked. And that was it. From that moment on, even though I was eight years old and found him years before and not realizing until I was 10, that was it. I was a fan for life. L-I-F-E. Hi, I'm Carrie Utah. And my favorite Prince memory is being at the Aladdin Theater, December 9th, 2000, front row, wearing red, and as Scandalous starts, Prince motions for me to get on stage, pulls me up onto stage, sits me down in front of him, and we proceed, like it was choreographed, to interact to each other while he sings Scandalous inches from me. It was such a crazy memory, like a dream, and it's something I will hold dear forever. And if anyone out there has video of this, I just hope to one day see it. This is Mr. Christopher with Funkatopia, and I just wanted to express um, my deepest sympathy for 
all the Prince fans out there, including myself, we'd lost a great musician, performer, friend, and um, there will never, ever be another Prince. Nobody even comes close to Prince. Nobody ever will come close to Prince. So keep your heads up and know that we are truly blessed to have been given the time that we were given with him. And there's so much more music that we haven't even heard that's going to be coming out. So many more memories that are going to be shared so his memory will live on forever. He will never die in the hearts of all of us. We will certainly, absolutely, keep his memory alive. I wish all of you heaven. Peace out. It was 1985, and it was my first concert ever. Purple Rain at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California. I was 14 years old at the time, and have been following Prince ever since. I will be forever grateful to have been fortunate enough to make several more concerts. Prince's music became a very important part of my life. I always look forward to a future visit from the musical genius. My only regret is not making his last impromptu visit to Oakland, California in March for his piano and microphone tour. Rest in peace, Prince. You most certainly were loved and will be missed. Love forever, Jody, Modesto, California. Thank you, Jody. Love. Now there's a word. Now, since people are sharing concert experiences, um, <clears throat> let me share my first ever one. I wasn't able to see uh, the Revolution or the Love Sexy tour. Um, my grandmother was worried that too many people would be doing pot at the shows. And I was just like, oh. she was like, you can go see El DeBarge. <laughs> Who? Anyway, I guess she thought that they were on Prince's level or whatever, since I liked music from the 80s or whatnot. Um, so Prince was coming to town doing three shows. And um, I was too young to... to to afford to, to go, um, was working, but it really wasn't enough. Um, it was just enough to eat and get by, <clears throat> but, and then tickets sold out for all three shows within six minutes. So I'm like, Oh, that's it. I went, well, maybe I can win on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I want a couple of things before, maybe like a CD here or there trips to magic mountain Nothing too big, um, but I was going to try. I had this cheap Conair phone <laughs> that like one of my grandmother's friends gave her to give to me. And let me tell you, though, it had a quick redial, like hella quick. So um, I'm calling Power 106 has a thing. They say when you hear Princess scream, be the 16th caller. And um <clears throat> I called, uh, busy a couple of times after the third time got in and then the phone was just ringing. It isn't like now where like after 15 rings or whatever, it cuts you off. It just kept ringing. I like, I think I fell asleep. Like I'm laying on my bed 
And I went, I think two songs have went by. They haven't found a winner yet or whatnot. And then I was like, I hear Power 106. And I'm like, waking up. I'm like, uh, did I win? And she's like, oh, the Prince tickets. And I went, yes. She's like, yeah, you're, you're the 16th caller. And I was like so excited. I'm doing a little happy dance. Woohoo! Um, I could not believe it. I'm going to see Prince. So I was so excited. I ran to my work, which is down the street, told everyone who knew I was like the biggest fan. And they're like, that's so awesome. And I like, I walked back home. And I was all like, huh, wonder if 92.3 is giving away tickets. 92.3 was so popular. I never, ever, 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 ever got through to them. And uh, I got through. I hear Caller 92. Um, I'm like, did I win? And they're like, guess who's going to see Prince? I'm like, yes. And then all I was thinking was, I hope it's for a different date. And uh, I had tickets to Raging Waters. And then um, uh, I was supposed to get like a, a lifetime supply of Perrier, which I never got. But I didn't really like sparkling water anyway. So I make a big deal about it. So, you know, they give me all the information. And then they say it's for another date. I am so stoked. I run back to my work. Tell them that I want tickets for not one, but now two shows. They're like, that is just crazy. Like, it was just so meant to be. Then I, I kind of run back and getting a little selfish. And I'm like, I wonder if Kiss FM is giving away tickets. And would you know and behold, it was like um, Pick a Ticket Weekend. It was like Bon Jovi and some other act that had like one hit and then Prince. I'm like, oh, come on. It's got to be the other concert date, right? I'm going to be hitting the, the trifecta here. I call and I get through a couple of times. Let me call her number 17, call her number 5281. I'm calling number 101. And I'm like, crap, the next car is going to be 102. Usually what they do is they clear all the lines. And I'm like, all right, let's test out how quick this redial on this cheap Conair phone is. Okay. Like this is going to be about to be my phone all the time. It still had a cord and everything. It was just an old school phone. Caller 102. And it was for another date that wasn't the other two dates. Ran back to work again. They were like, now now you had girls going, you're taking me one night, right? You're taking me one night. I'm like, well, I'm running down the street. I obviously don't have a car. So yeah, I guess so. Um, just amazing. Went to all three shows. And each show, each concert it was seventh row and it was eye level with him in the stage eye level with everyone and i just was so stoked and i don't know what it, why it is but everyone at every show has to mention that oh they were at there they were at 1981 where you got booed off the stage when you open up for the rolling stones and i went well i wasn't there and you can kiss my waters anyway um he blew me away and he kept like mentioning like after shows and i would just get bummed because i wasn't 21 yet and then like the third show like he saw my reaction again and he goes don't worry about your age we'll get you all in of course the girl i took wasn't like y'all she uh wanted to go to san diego for a late night excursion so i got driven back home to my place in encino and 
did not have after-show experiences that I had to read about elsewhere later and hear about him performing songs so new he was reading them out of a purple notebook. But uh, that was just amazing to me. Like, I was such a huge fan. I couldn't afford to go. I was so bummed. You know, I wasn't... I didn't beg my grandmother to get tickets into anything. I always tried to find out stuff on my own and do it. But those three shows just changed me. And I ran to people from elementary school. They're like, oh, I knew you'd be here. It's just crazy um, to me. But th- that was my first experience. And, and even just to see, and I worked at a record store then, to see people coming in after the shows and wanting to buy his entire catalog. They'd never seen him before and were just blown away. Like, I don't, I'm sure he knew he had that effect to where if you saw him one time, you'd be a lifelong fan. But to see others finally get what I'm doing, and this is what I'm saying about like maybe all these new fans that he got that that didn't know about him or how great he was before he passed, let them experience it because we knew how great he was. And we were able to experience him live and enjoy him while he was still here. Let them get on it because they're not going to have what we have. But let them have just a little bit of it, because a little bit of it can go a whole long way. Hi, Dr. Funkenberry. This is Stephanie from Silver Spring, Maryland. And one of my favorite memories of Prince is from last year's Baltimore concert. He would uh, start out practically every song by saying, no curfew. And... Um, for those who may not recall, after the riots, uh, Baltimore was under curfew for a bit of time and was lifted right before the concert. Um, it was probably the first or second encore, I can't recall, the crowd just starts chanting, no curfew. And we did it until he came back out on stage. And I remember he just strolled up on stage, just put his arm on the microphone and just said, seriously? And then just started playing again. And that was just one of my favorite moments of so many of not just the concert, but all of my concert experiences. And it's hard to believe that he is gone. I am so blessed and fortunate to have been able to share the earth with him and to be able to enjoy his music for time to come. Thank you for giving us this wonderful opportunity, Dr. Fogenberry, to share our personal stories and memories of this great man. Hey, Doc, it's Heidi. How's it going? I am thankful that you're putting together this podcast and asking fans to submit um, something to say about Prince and his passing and uh, you creating this platform for people to express um, their love and adoration and grief um, about our our recent loss Um, and honestly it's 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 really so soon to say something profound or to find the right words there is um, there's just a place and time for everything and I haven't reached that point where I can um, fully verbalize what Prince meant to me. Um, So I've decided to call in and, or, you know, send you this snippet to thank you and to focus on you. I was very, very, as you know, very, very close to maybe one day working for him, which has been a dream of mine since 2004. Um, and it's, it's, it, everything was just too fresh, you know. I've been listening to his music up until 
the very morning and moment he passed, his music was playing. That's why I'm proud to say that I'm a fan, a diehard, a over-the-top, you know, tweeny, like, giddy fan. Um, and I will be the rest of my life. So, my name is Clay Stevens, a.k.a. Clay Boogie from Santa Cruz, California. And um, I could talk forever about Prince, but I'll share one story, which is that when I was 10, my dad took me to the L.A. Sports Arena. And the Love Sexy Tour 1988 was my first concert that I ever have seen. And at that point, I had already been a Prince fan for at least five, six years, even though I was only 10 at the time. And uh, we were in the last row of the whole place, but um, I just want to share that the most exciting moment of my life was when Prince came out on stage in that Cadillac. And he said, snare drum pounds on the two and four. All the party people get on the floor. Bass. The electricity in there was just thrilling and electrifying. And uh, later on that night, he did The Cross, and he did Anastasia. And the spirituality of that forever changed me and forever gave me just a feeling that God is alive as that was the theme of the Love Sexy Tour, and that was a feeling that stayed with me to this day. Love God, love life, love sexy. For some, that was more than just a song. It was a way of life. I think for him and through him, it was as well. Um, <clears throat> it's forward some stuff. Uh... Me and Prince have, well, Prince and I, excuse me. Sorry, I just have brain farts through stuff like this. Just bear with me. Um, Prince and I have had um, kind of like a strange relationship for a long time that's found itself. And the first thing was is me finally uh, going to school, working hard, being able to afford a computer. And it was one of those big bulky ones um i was so happy like yay you know like i get to find other prince fans you know like i don't know anyone in my area that likes him and it just bugged me and the internet was wasn't as explosive then and i never really was on it before like i said i'm getting a computer for the first time <laughs> that freaking sound that you hear when you're signing on aol it's just ridiculous um and then I get on there and there was like all this hate towards Prince. And I was just like, really? This is what the internet's about? Like, this is me experiencing trolls and all this stuff for the first time that people really have big huevos um, when they're behind a computer screen. Uh, I just couldn't believe it. And then apparently like he went after websites recently and all this stuff. And I went, crap, well, how am I going to reach other fans? And I thought about it for a little bit, probably a little bit too long, but I was younger. I didn't really sleep that much. Um, 
broke up with a girl. So there really was nothing too much going on. I just said, wait a second. He didn't say anything about emails. So what I did was, is I did like a search for the artist in Prince. Cause at that time he was going by the symbol. Cause when I first tried searching for Prince on people's profiles throughout the internet, it would show like someday my Prince will come and yada, 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 all this stuff. So I've punched in Prince, the artist, and I find a bunch of people there, collect their email address, punch in other song titles and then found it. And then I had a list of about a thousand. Let me build with that. Let me see it. And then, um, I would find news on Prince. I had to do something that got people's attention and um, make it positive, find out stuff that they don't know, but also bring up some other stuff that they would uh, find interesting, little ant antidotes. And um, I was like, okay, now I need a title. Got this list, let me do this. And I just, I just wanted to be filled with positivity. So I just went with the 777 update and uh, went there with it. And I started sending it out and I put on there like, this isn't spam and just news items and stuff I was finding out behind the scenes and how to get prints like more on MTV and other stuff when he has albums coming out, find ways to push him and promote him. And um, like there was a few people that said, please leave me from the list. But there was way more people going, hey, my friend told me about your list. Please add me. And I was just kind of surprised because I thought people were going to get upset, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept coming with it maybe once a month. And then started like a thing called like the state of the MPG address, just did all these things. And people were digging it and started making it on its way into print sites. And then I get this email from <clears throat> peace at mpgonlineltd.com that just says interesting, peace and be wild. And then so I'm like, okay, that's Prince's official site. And let me backtrack for a second. Cause he had another site called love for another love for one another. And he would answer a question of the week, usually on Sunday nights. And it'd always be like one word answers, you know, what's your favorite food or what's this? And it'd be kind of like, he'd be funny. Um, I kind of wanted to delve a little bit deeper because him going, going to being a Jehovah witness so hard, I was just curious. And I just, my question was, I guess, more complex. And I didn't expect it to ever get chosen because of the one word answers. And then he goes, my question was, if someone's belief that the true God is not Jehovah, but in their eyes, it is the true God, does that make their truth any lesser than your truth of that person being God? There was no one word answer. And he actually responded. And it was quite long, of course, how there's only one true Jehovah and through the names of everything. Still, it wasn't like the answer that I may have been looking for, but I thought it was cool. And these people that were on my email list are like, oh, my God, he's responding to you and not just a one word answer. And now when I look back through life and through things and the experiences that he and I have shared, um, it's just truly unique because that was the first thing. And then. A couple years later, new website, new stuff going on. And um, this email address reaches out to me. So I add them onto my email list. And then um, <clears throat> a couple months later, like there's new moderators taking over on a website. They didn't kind of want to have my update anymore. And I thought, <coughs> excuse me, I thought maybe he had an issue with what I wrote, even though it's being positive. But, you know, I'm putting... 
stuff out there that I want to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And then, um, so I don't send them an update that month, just figuring that they didn't like it. And then I get an email from that account. Where's our update? I'm like, I'm sorry, that website didn't want to carry it. I thought there was an issue with it. And again, we have no problem when there's positive things being written about us. No problem at all. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm like, okay. And then um, I got like a song that they kind of wanted to get out there. And it was through like a quick time player or whatnot, which made it very hard for people to duplicate, um, but was given it, played it. It was just amazing. And then um, through the other websites, the MPG Music Club, which the amazing Sam Jennings uh, created, uh, who is a true fan in every sense of the word, uh, that worked with Prince for quite a long time, built up stuff. Um, they're trying to do different things through the hit and run tour and then of 2001, then they did one night alone, 2002. And, you know, I kind of made a big stink about Ticketmaster because Prince's Prince's whole thing at that time was that the fans get tickets to the front first few rows. Ticketmaster was being shady and shysty as you cannot believe. And, um, I had the fans speak out in Chicago and Detroit to get Prince's attention at soundcheck, which was happening through that. And, um, he saw that they really weren't getting the best seats. They were like 13 on. So it became Sam's job now to get there early. And if the fans had to wait in line, the first 20 rows, wherever many tickets were sold, we're going to go to the fans. But there was absolute chaos. I heard stuff about Atlanta, that people running in that waited all day. And then these people that just were there like less than 30 minutes got ahead of them. So I was trying to think of a solution. And I felt bad that I gave Sam this headache. So I'm like, when it comes to LA, I'll help out. And I helped out. We don't need to go into that. It's another story. But I met Sam at the after show. He was like, I was wondering when you get here. And I'm like, how the heck does he know who I am? Like, I try to keep, I always try to keep my identity hidden and everything else. I guess people just with the, with what the name I went by back then, I just got his attention. And um, throughout this stuff, um, just helping out behind the scenes for, for a lot of years, whether it was Sam or other people or, you know, him making sure that if there was extra tickets for the tonight show, if it went to someone who could not have attended it before and wanted to go, um, fast forward to 2006 and, um, his workers, you know, this is, this is it. Musicology exploded. It turned him into where. There was no way that the music club could do what they were doing before with the first 20 rows. They were still trying to give tickets first. But Musicology exploded. And after seeing the One Night Alone tour, you knew like this guy had way too much talent for the industry to keep him down like they did. And I was just like telling a girlfriend at the time that he's going he's gonna to sell out Staples Center. Staples Center. Following a Staples Center, about 20,000. And she's like, you're insane. No way he's going to sell out Staples Center. I'm like, he's going to sell out Staples Center multiple nights. And she's like, how do you say this? It's 2003. I'm like, well, 2004, the 20th anniversary of Purple Rain. He's going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on his first attempt. First attempt, mind you. Okay? There's going to be all this stuff that's going to happen. He'll probably do like a Grammy performance and blow everyone away. And I'm talking about this in 2003. Do you realize... The girl thought I was so insane that this was going to happen. She was going to break up with me that night. She was going to break up with me because I said, this guy's too talented for him to be 
crapped on the way that he has been in the industry. He's going to fight it. He's going to win. And lo and behold, he's scheduled to do the Grammys. Not only that, it's after the Super Bowl where this whole Janet Nipplegate thing happened that wouldn't have happened if it was Britney Spears' breast. Um, and then the, the next commercial after the Nipplegate thing um, was da 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 and Prince, and that's only the first hour. And then they had another commercial where Prince is opening up the show. I'm like, that's it. This is where it's going to kick it all off. That girl was kind of like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have given him a hard time over that. So you know what happens. The Grammys, Prince took a little bit of Beyonce's shine that she was having at the time and took it and threw it into the stratosphere. Every single paper the next day, Prince, 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 Prince. He had an after show at the House of Blues. It was star-studded for that Grammy thing. Just amazing. And everything that I said was going to happen, happened. He sold out the Staples Center not two times, not three times. He did it seven times. You hear that, Taylor Swift, before all this stuff? Seven times. And uh, we're at dinner one time. And, you know, sorry, woman, but uh, you kind of don't like... Same when men are right. So she brought it up. She brought up, do you remember when you said all this stuff about the Staples Center? I go, yeah, I remember it. She goes, you were right. And I go, I'm sorry, what was that again? She's like, you're right. I made her say it three times just to put it in. Now, flash forward to 2006. Prince is on a whole nother level. We got to make sure after the strategy that he had for musicology and keeping the album in the top 20 all year long, which was unheard of at the time. He found another way to buck the industry. Um, we had to, They wanted to make sure that he hit number one with 3121. And they were kind of strapped. There was different people in that weren't, were in place right after Musicology. And they were kind of like, we need a fan that knows his stuff and isn't weird. They, they, they got the know their stuff part right. Okay? So... Um, a friend of mine reached out. There was some shows going on for Tamar, which was his new protege at the time. And, uh, she said, you got to be there. I'm on the li- you're going to be on the list. The girl at the time was upset. And I have always seen things ahead of time. And I went, I got to go. I'll find, I'll stand in place for you in line, even though, uh, I shouldn't be kind of doing that. Even though I could just show up, but you know, she was upset and I go, look, I have a feeling that this is going to open doors and that I have to go to these things by myself at first, but I'll get you in afterwards. It was just so much drama. It was just ridiculous. And I'm like, I have to go with my gut. I have to go solo and I'll take the the side eye from her and deal with it. I'll make up for it. I'll, I'll go. I'll give her a little bit extra 20, 30 minutes and she'll be fine and thanking me for the orgasm and whatnot. Um, so <laughs> I go to that show and a persistent after me is just telling me uh, that she would like me to assist with stuff behind the scenes, which I've done before and I'm cool with. And all, this stuff is only getting out now. wasn't out then. Um, they need my help with stuff. was telling me it was going to be on SNL, all these other things. So I was helping out. I uh, went to the house party, uh, a few of them, and then we're at a house party for the Oscars, 2006. And uh, 
I mean, like you're just you're seeing everyone like Sharon Stone, Jessica Alba. Like it's just insane, and it's just packed with people. It's ridiculous. Um, I think Terrence Howard that year was was nominated. He didn't win. He was at that party. It just was amazing. You see Jude Law chatting with Salma Hayek, and you're just like, this is just nuts. And then um, <clears throat> I go upstairs where the pool table is. Prince had this big old Prince symbol at this 3121 house. And uh, there's Chris Rock playing pool with Wendy from the Revolution. And then there's Ludacris to the side that's, I guess, Rock's partner. So I'm just kind of like taking it all in. There's photos around of other celebrities. There's one of Wendy. Um, It's just so mind-boggling. And then um, I'm by the corridor when you get in. And I see from the side of my eye, here's Prince and Tamar walking in. And then I'm just going to stand there to the side because I see uh, this photographer I know named Afshin that's about to take a photo of them. And then Prince, for some reason, I have no idea why, starts elbowing me crazy hard. I'm a big guy. And Prince is a, is a, small, is a small guy. No, no disrespect. But I felt those elbows, man. Like, I don't understand why he's elbowing me. And I'm just like, don't, don't turn, Jay. Don't turn. Don't turn. I don't know why he's doing that. You know, he, and all of a sudden I see the flash go off. He was wanting me to get in the picture with him. Now, keep in mind, like I did, I had another identity at that time and I really wasn't trying to get known. So he just knew me by my face and seen me at events and he wanted me to shot. And over the years, I found out that Afshin keeps like this photo album of photos that he's taken over fans of the years and special photos of Prince. Really cool. So this is how I got into all this stuff, drawn in with 3121, which, by the way, you guys, along with a little bit of a little bit of advice for me, a little bit of stuff to Universal. And the assistant was forwarding the email suggestions that I have to the president of Universal. And he's like, she thinks it's Prince making these suggestions. So that was hilarious. But it worked. Prince, because of you guys debuted at number one and at that time because of SoundScan, he never had an album debut at number one even though purple rain outsold so many things at that time but that's how everything uh was progressing and starting and then 2006 and then seven and eight then things just went into a whole another stratosphere in 2009 in the inclination of dr funkenberry My name is Sarah, and I just wanted to say thank you to Prince for everything that you've done for me in the 24 years that I've been alive. I'll miss you, I love you, and you will always be alive in my heart. Hi, my name is Nigel from uh, London, England. Um, Thank you for this opportunity to just say a few words about Prince. Um, For me personally, I first saw him back in 1986 on Parade Tour Wembley Arena 12th of August I was just 17 then and from that day on I was hooked and he's been a massive part of my life ever since so I'm sure like many other people I'm echoing many people's feelings that um, felt like I'd lost a family member last week but um, 
just wanted to say on behalf of the UK we had so many great memories of Prince here great concerts uh, right through to the last time I saw him which I believe was his last performance in the UK at the Coco Club uh, February 2015 uh, God bless you Prince um, we will miss you in the UK and um, I just hope that there's not going to be negativity now from the media and that we can just celebrate his music which is the gift that he gave us all so uh, God bless you Prince and thank you for this opportunity Hi this is Ruthia from Knoxville I don't know what to say but thank you to Prince the artist, the creative genius I appreciate him sharing his gift with the world I was at his last show in Atlanta I am still just in awe at the show he put on he is, was, and will always be amazing we love you Prince amazing magnificent there'll never be another one of a kind those are all things that Prince is and will always will be we don't have to talk about past tense I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this and Hopefully I'm helping bring people together and sharing um, stories that um, I'd rather have told in a, in a different circumstance, but I'm trying to let all of us heal from this stuff. And I just want to thank you guys so much for listening. Just remember, this is all for you. Um, make sure to take time to subscribe to this. So the next one that we have, that's a continuation of this and further ones that we do um, for music that you go into. Just make sure to subscribe on iTunes, leave reviews of places. I believe um, we're on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and Overcast as well. Um, we just appreciate the love and support. And you know I'm going to give a thousand back to you just like he did. Now, where I left off before, <coughs> um, Prince was still doing house parties and different things. And then... Um, I needed to be put on a different level um, and I was asked to be put on a different level um, that they kind of wanted me to go away from uh, reporting to the fan sites or other things about things, but do it on my own um, blog. I'm like, okay. Um, I don't know why I didn't, I probably didn't continue doing the 777 update because people would know who I was and it had to be something entirely different. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to come up with a name and it just, all of them were taken or it just wouldn't work. So I just tried the most outlandish thing in the world that happened and it just stuck. And, um, what's interesting, like I had another, I had one story that I had, I'm an artist to promote that I really liked. And again, this is always what I've been doing is trying to promote prints or trying to promote other acts that I really appreciate and dig. And um, <clears throat> the second story I had was that Prince was going to be throwing an Oscar party at um, his new house at 77 Beverly Park. And they wanted me to leak the guest list. And I did. And 
it got picked up by the New York Post like within an hour. And like I'm seeing the hits going to my site. I'm like, okay, this is more than what I got on the other sites. <clears throat> and then um, I did a few other stories before the party happened. Uh, the Britney Spears uh, meltdown was kind of happening by my house. So I reported on that and had info that no one else had. <clears throat> and um, I show up to the house party and it's just insane. You got <clears throat> just everyone there. And it's just, it took a while to get there. The parking situation was a little bit more of a valet sort than what happened at the previous uh, 31, 21 houses. Um, I get in there. See one of Prince's crew members, you know, he's like, don't worry about a set list. I got you, you know, just so I can like enjoy the show, which I thought was cool because I'm always in the mindset of wanting to do the reports, the set list, and then write down. And I would do like these reviews that people really loved regardless. Um, <clears throat> got to the house and then this guy is introducing Prince on stage in his living room. Mind you, like all these performances would happen in the living room where you would see like just the craziness and this time it wasn't going to be it was just going to be prince jamming and uh with his band and the twins and all that and um <clears throat> twins like were invited i don't think they were in the mix at that time but they were there looking wonderful and being sweet as usual um <clears throat> like as soon as the guy said that prince is about to take the stage you got spike lee and dane cook fine jockeying for position to be in front of the stage like in a living room and it just blew my mind and i'm a tall guy no disrespect spike i love you uh, i thought uh, old boy was quite an interesting interesting movie you guys should check out um it's just crazy so <clears throat> prince is performing there's there's the Hollywood elite there. There's people that just have their Oscars parting away, dancing with it in their hands. Um, and then there's these young girls. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're maybe too young to like kind of like appreciate Prince, you know, but we'll see. <clears throat> you got Sylvester Stallone there. It's just crazy. And then Prince brings out in the middle of it all in his living room to jam with him. Stevie Wonder. And they're doing Superstition. And Stevie's like, I want to make up a song with you on the spot. And they were just jamming back and forth. And <clears throat> these girls who I was questioning, their fandom, that they would appreciate it. They're like on top of his couch, which probably wasn't the nicest thing to do. But they grabbed onto my suit jacket. <laughs> and they were like, this is the greatest night of my life. So I'm like, and just like Prince transcends all, all ages everything and it just blew my mind um three hours go by blown away and i'm handed the set list there was six more songs that he was going to come out and do like i'm just like wait this was the short version and it was just nuts and then um <clears throat> his people said we're going to make sure they didn't know that i was talking with someone else in the camp they're going to make sure that he sees your site and um, they said they're going to put it on every computer screen that he had in the house. Apparently that worked. And then another thing uh, that was happening was is that <clears throat> there was a story coming out that uh, he wasn't doing well, that he needed surgery. And um, it, it like made its way onto the fan sites. And then um, 
<clears throat> kind of change stuff. And I apologize for clearing my throat, just getting over a cold. Um, don't know if, if Prince gave me it, but don't worry, guys. I, I've been good. A little sleep deprived, but doing fine. Um, and the thing was, is his whole thing was to just ignore that stuff that's going on. It's not true. He was in negotiations with Coachella to perform that year, and they were kind of like deciphering on how much he's going to get paid. Coachella started pulling out because they thought that those reports were true. <clears throat> so it's hurting it. They're looking for leverage. They're, they're saying that they're going to go talk to the side about taking it down. And I'm like, it's April Fool's Day. Maybe you should like wait a day. It just isn't good. But they still did it. Um, Coachella was still worried that these stories were accurate and they weren't going to pay him what he wanted to play for. So I thought of something. Um, Sheila E. was playing somewhere, Harvell's, in a beach area. <clears throat> and I just decided I have an idea. But I know that Prince won't go for it if I say stuff. So what I did was, is I fibbed to the assistant that Sheila is telling people again that Prince is going to be at the show. She, she used this before to sell tickets just say that there'll be a special guest. She did not say that. I told the assistant she said it, and she went ballistic, freaking Sheila. And I went, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What if we have Prince show up to that show, play a little bit, we get a photo of him, leak it out that he's there, and we get the Coachella deal back on. <clears throat> Bam, wheels start turning in her head. So we're at the show. We just have this vibe that he's going to show up. The Harvell people that the girl I was with at the time, um, she knew them. They're like, Prince is going to be here. You know, we trust me, we would know. And I go, you don't know how Prince is. It literally is like a poof of smoke. He's there. So we're just kind of chilling. And the guy's like, he's not going to show up, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and... We see one of his bodyguards around and I went, boop. And he's like, hmm. And then literally Prince, it really is kind of like Jimmy, how Jimmy Fallon said. It's like he levitated to the stage, how quickly he got there. And just like there was word, you know, that the bodyguard went to the thing, did the signals that he's going to come out here. And then the person that was on keyboard got off the keyboard. And then lo and behold, Prince wearing this funky chain, black sunglasses, black outfit, just gets there. And then like, what's interesting to, to myself, I just find it weird is for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I wouldn't think about it. I just would want a dress night. A majority of the time where Prince would show up to these clubs in LA, which was a lot, I'd wear suits. And I wore a suit that night. And this girl, Angie, who's a friend of mine, saw me and she's like, oh, like he's going to be here. I'm like, oh, come on. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. And then you know, like I thought I got followed before. So here he is. He does it. Post this photo. I got a ton of crap for it from this website that did some investigating on me. Whatever. The thing was, is that Prince got his money from Coachella, which is still to this day right now, the highest paid artist to play it. So what I did for, and I didn't tell these guys because they don't need to know it, but I did it for him and they were hurting his deal. And I got that to happen. And regardless of that, I still continue to, to be posting on the website and just kept blowing up. I wanted to do so much stuff. And here it is. He gave me this opportunity. And then 
he liked what I did and he figured it out that I set it up the whole thing that I said Sheila said he's going to perform and then he felt obligated to do it but we did this whole thing and it, he got his money. So all of a sudden I start getting news items. Uh, just craziness. And it was all written in print speak. And my main thing was is I wanted my site to be professional. So I had to like translate every single thing, put a few things that made it look like that. I'm talking about it. He's not talking about it. He loved it. I started adding stuff like diagnoses. Um, and we weren't using photos of him at that time. And then um, lo and behold, photos start coming. Other things start coming. And then like he wants me to go to a party that I know is only going to have females there. And it's going to be about 20 of them. He's going to know who the heck I am. And my main thing was, is I was trying to keep my identity private as much as other people were trying to put it out there and threatening to put out my address and everything. Um, I strive for privacy. I was never about getting attention for myself doing this. I just wanted to help him in any way possible. That's what it's always been about for Prince is helping him. Wasn't trying to get close to him. Wasn't trying to get nothing. I tried to keep my distance. Um, so I did not go to that party because I would have been the only guy there and he would have figured it out. And he was trying to play this game now of trying to figure out who I was because I'd only go to the house parties that would have a bunch of people in it and I can fly in. He talked to me at times. He wouldn't know it's me. I was just another face that he's seen over the years. And then that was it. It was this whole game. And then he had these people making a new website for him and they tripped on it that like I would put suggestions on my site of things that he should do and he would end up doing it or they would be with him the entire day and he'd say nothing then they find out that he's going to do Leno like four nights they wouldn't know um and that kind of bothered them a little bit and I wasn't you know I just kind of try to let it be known like I'm not trying to get in don't worry I'm just here to help you know <clears throat> um it was just amazing those times, getting the photos, getting um, rehearsal jams just sent. And I'd be like the first one to hear it. Actually, sometimes I'd have to have a friend post it for me because I'd be at work doing other things. So like there'd be 20,000 people that are hearing this, why you want to treat me so bad rehearsal. And I hadn't even heard it yet. And I'm like, man, what if he asked me to take it down before I get home? Like, shoot, I have a backup of the email. Did they post it right? And then just this was just it. There would be just... Countless times over the years that I go to bat for Prince and I just, I would find something out, post it, post a suggestion, he'd end up doing it. And that, that would be it. And then there'd be other times like he posted um, about wanting to do Montreux and that he'd be the highest paid artist to play ever Montreux ever. So I decided to use this stock photo that I had of him where he did three shows in one night here in LA, use a stock photo and behind him was a photo of a... Uh, Behind him, it was a photo that I used. It was Frederick Yanet, um, his harmonica player. So because of that photo, Prince calls Yanet, you want to come to Montreux and play? And then, you know, Yanet, like, tweets or whatever, I'm going to Montreux. Why? Ask Dr. Flunkenberry. And it was all because of me using that photo, had him reach out to Yane, who was no was not in the band at that time. Um, just craziness. It was just so weird to me. I'm getting blown away. And then there was just more and more things happening like that to where 
I, and I would hear stuff in the news about something that, that happened. And I'd be like, no, nah, that's not right. And because I had a platform out and I had other tenants, just because I got other stories, ran to Courtney Love in a courtroom acting bizarre. And then she put me on blast on her uh, social media pages, which helped me out. Thanks a lot, Courtney. Um, was able to do this stuff and go to bat for Prince. And then more and more times he was reaching out to me or he appreciated what I do. And I'd be like, just trying to do the right thing. I know that they were wrong. And um, just did, he'd have other managers and we'd bump heads. And I would argue about things. They'd want me to take down certain things that I posted because I had free reign. Like I get these special photos that I felt were professional enough to look good. And then, in fact, they're so professional. Like the person was telling me, you need to take them down because they're being used for bootleg covers. And I'm like, any photos of prints can be used for bootleg covers. You need to tell your friend that's whispering in your ear, cut it out. I'm like, if Prince is the one that has a problem with this, I want Prince to tell me himself. And look, I have nothing but love and respect for this woman. But I knew that it wasn't coming from him. Um, knows it over the years. Like I, I would um, have arguments with him, but we all worked together. And then the last night that everything changed and he figured out who I was, was the last house party at the forum run of 21 Nights in LA in 2011. Hey, what's up? This is Tamiko representing the LA Bump Squad and Chicago Nation. So we're asked to give our most memorable or favorite experience and moment in time with our, our man Prince. Um, I have a lot and I was blessed to have met this genius of a of an artist. Um, when I moved to LA, I just, again, I, I, you know, I was again, I was blessed to have uh, met him several times um, from the numerous house parties, uh, private events, being front row at the concert, getting invited to, uh, you know, a secret location somewhere. Um, but the one that stands out to me the most is, um, it was LA 2011 and this was the last show of all of the forum run of the 21 nights. Right. So, uh, my friend and I that I went to the show with, um, we got wind, uh, a little birdie told us that Prince was inviting people over to the house he was staying at in Bel Air and to have a little like mini set, hang out, after party, what have you. So if anybody knows, um, you know, especially around LA, uh, going to a Prince party at his house was the thing to do. It was the place to be. It was the spot. It's what was popping, right? So we said our goodbyes and hightailed over there we got in and as soon as we walked in the door so prince was standing there it was him and morris hayes and they were greeting everyone that walked in my friend was in front of me so she walked in put her hand out introduced herself and he was like nice to meet you and that sexy voice of his right i walk up now for anyone who knows the prince experience you look in his eye um, and you know how that makes you feel, right? It's so captivating. But I went to shake my hand, sh uh, shake his hand, and I was like, "Hi, my name is Tamiko." He gave me this like little snicker laugh, and for me, I took it as I know who you are, <laughs> and just just kind of like girl getting here type of thing. Um, so that just made me feel like 
I mean, beyond special, but like he knows me, like he recognized me. Again, like I said, I've been around him. I'd been around him at that point enough that um, he was comfortable around me and, and I could get into the, the exclusive parties and the private sets and things like that. Um, so that felt good. So just uh, so getting on with the rest of the night, we had dinner, everybody's having a good time. Uh, Prince then comes into where we were eating and was like, why don't we go do something else? You know, because we were like, Prince, what do we do now? So we're following him. And mind you, this house is a beautiful mansion in, in um, Bel Air. He had a bowling alley there. He, um, I then said, hey, can we bowl? You know, what's up? And then he looked down, looked at me, looked at my friend in her shoes and was like, y'all don't have on the right shoes. But then he whispered something to Morris Hayes and was like, hey, if they want to bowl, go ahead and start, you know, start it up, turn it on. And then like in the minute he said that, he didn't change his mind and was like, you know what? I got a better idea. We're going to be jamming downstairs. Follow me. So me and the rest of the crowd, of course, we go downstairs. Prince says, follow him. You're going to follow. We go down there. They start to play. The band uh, band uh, is playing. DJ Rashida was spinning. The twins were there. Um, the other, you know, a few invited guests. This goes on for a couple of hours. We're jamming, having a good time. As the night kind of winds down, maybe it's about four or five in the morning at this time. Um, the night is winding down. Prince kind of disappeared. Um, so some people were leaving. But my friend and I, and my rule is you don't leave until the lights, co you know, go up or they kick you out. Um, we end up running into his assistant at the time and we was like, well, where's Prince? And she was like, oh, he's watching the DVD of the concert that, you know, that just happened tonight. So we was like, well, what are we supposed to do? And she was just like, you want to watch it with him? And we were like, are you kidding me? And she was like, yeah, come on. So she had us follow her and to the DVD room or the theater where he was watching the DVD at. Um, and this was the most surreal experience, but he's standing in the doorway, his arms stretched out, and we're kind of walking up behind him. And I'm like, this is creepy, and I'm nervous as hell, you know, <laughs> walking up behind him. But he turns around slowly, and, you know, I didn't know how he was going to react. And I was just like, is it is it cool if we come in there and watch it with you? And he's like, yeah. He had this, like, of course, type of response. Like, duh. <laughs> Okay, so for me, this moment was like just unreal. Like I'm watching TV, so to speak, or movie, a concert with Prince. So I beeline into a seat. My friend went to um, the uh, other side of the couch, and there's a few other LA Bump Squad members there. We pop the squad. We're watching this concert. Shelby was there too, and we're enjoying it. She's making jokes, and at one point, Prince stops the DVD, and um. Um, you know, kind of join in the joke with Shelby. But then for some reason, I don't think he could turn the DVD back on. But by this time, it was probably 5.30 going on 6 in the morning. And he was like, all right, that's good night. <laughs> so we all went back to our belongings and, and he walked us, proceeded to walk us through the door, you know, to say good night to us. And before we left, um, I turned around and I was like, hey, but what about that bowling game? You know, you owe me one. And he just kind of laughed and he was just like, all right, next time. That moment for me, just to have hung out with him and to see him as a real human being, you know, like, I I can't describe that feeling, but just to be in his presence was an honor and a blessing. And Prince, I love you. 
I still want that uh, bowling match. You owe me one. Um, but, brother, we all love you and we miss you. But thank you for the good times. Until we meet again, peace and be wild. Thank you very much, Tamiko, for that. In fact, the house party that she was talking about was where everything changed for me. It was 21 nights of the forum. I let the band know my identity um, just because, you know, it just felt like it may have been a little bit weird for them. As much as uh, Prince knew I was in his house, he knew that um, I wanted to be at the parties. I wanted to be able to help him and support him and promote him. Um, but he knew that I didn't want to get close to him. And he respected that, which bothered some people. So I did let the band know like who I was, um, Shelby, Liv, Lisa, John, Blackwell. Um, <clears throat> the last night of the forum show, there's a party going down to Prince's. And all eyes are on me. Like we're at we're at the after party, you know, at the forum, and Prince decides he wants to perform at the house. The stage was set up, Rashida was spinning, and he wants to go back to the house. And I'm like, okay. And then there's all these eyes on me. It's like guys looking at me like I'm the hottest thing since a young Sofia Vergara or uh Ariel Winter even. <laughs> Just looking at me like I'm like, damn, like, I'm like, could you look at me any harder? So I was a little bit um, fearful of stuff that they knew where I was going. And there would be about 50 to 100 people that followed me. Little did I know that that was going to be the last night he was going to be in the house anyway. So if they found out where he lived. It really wouldn't have mattered. Um, but they knew my car. Uh so we had to do something a little tricky. We said, oh, we're not going anywhere. We don't know what's going on. And um, I had to, all six foot two of myself and another individual had to be in the back of a Mercedes that's kind of built as a two-seater uh, and duck and drive away from it while they're all looking where I went. Um, we hit up Shelby, find out stuff's going down. And we're off to the house, you know, told to show up there an hour, hour and a half. Um, I have people with me this time. So it's a little bit different because I go home and change. Um, Jay likes uh, wearing suits for about three hours or so and then feels the need to change into something else because he doesn't want to be called Dr. Funkenberry and be funky. So it's to be about the music, the persona, not the smell. Okay. Um, so we arrive at the party. Um, and then Afshin's at the gate holding the door for me. Renato was smoking one of his cigarettes that he always does. We get in and I see this chair that's always been at Paisley, always been at all the house parties. And I'm like, he loves that fucking chair. And of course, I just walked in the door and here comes Prince walking. Here I am cursing as soon as he's walking. In. I'm like, great job, Jay. Keep it a hundred genius so like he does he does the whole thing for us in the kitchen what Tamiko said about the whole bowling shoes thing and that was so funny and then he says i don't know about y'all but you're gonna have more set up the the bowling pins for you whatever but i'm going down to g7 and 
G, the seventh letter of the alphabet, and seven being the number. So it makes it 77. It was still a continuation of Club 77, although it was a different house than the 77 Beverly Park. And what it is is <clears throat> there's a band set up by the pool at the bottom floor. Now, I've been to house parties where you had them outside for a book signing. I've been to house parties where you had in the basement and there was only 10 of us there for an Emmy party. Um, and he would play like it was the Staples Center where it's 20,000 people. He was playing for 10 of us like Purple Rain was just for 20,000. It was amazing. Like it was the Super Bowl. Um, and then we get there and it's by the pool and it's a pool cover and all this stuff. And it's just wild. He has King perform first. I see my friend Nika Costa who would uh, be performing Love Bazaar at the shows and then did a little bit of a whole lot of love with him, which was incredible. Um, and Nika says to me, did you go to all 21 shows? Did you, did you, did you go to the after shows at the House of Blues and the Troubadour? And I went, he wanted me there. That was my excuse. Okay, I don't come off as weird. He, he, he did want me there to report on everything. But Nika just kept asking. And then for the next three or four times that she saw me, she would ask me every time, did you really go to all the shows? And I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, why is she trying to make me feel bad? Like, come on, Nika. My Nika. And um, saw her perform. <clears throat> and then uh, with them, like, Nika wanted to leave. And Prince is like, oh, we're going to go on stage now then. So they jammed. And then, like, Liv was, like, asking me, like, you know, like, because they only did, like, 40 minutes at that time. And, and I go... I don't think the night is over. And she's like, yeah. And then like Elisa was trying to sneak out because she's like, we'll be here till six o'clock in the morning. If I don't leave, if he can't find me, then we can't perform. And then like he starts just him and John start doing past the peas. And Maceo is all the way up top talking to two of my friends. And he just he keeps doing past the peas, past the peas. And he's he just keeps playing it. And he's going to keep playing it until Maceo hears it and gets down. And. Uh, Maceo finally gets down, running, sweating out a suit, gets down there to play. Uh, we're just having a good old time. Prince leads us into the electric slide. Just awesome, awesome night. Um, and the, the twins, they're showing, they're showing someone the place and then they turn off a light that turns out the lights that'll be for the stage. And then Prince runs back in flip-flops, mind you. Runs back, turns the light back on, throws a little bit of attitude. And I just go to him, you didn't tell him to turn the house lights off. <laughs> and he just performs, does a little smirk. And then like, you know, there's not a lot of us around. So I'm trying to like, you know, tell Shelby, like, thank you for something. And she's kind of like, you know, you're kind of not wanting to be figured out. You're like going to blow it. You know, um, we're just chilling. It's like four in the morning now. And we don't really know where Prince everyone is. Elisa was able to sneak away like she wanted to. So it was no performances, but there's something going on. We're about to leave. And then Julia, who I just met, who was his assistant at that time and would become his manager, um, a very young 20-year-old at the time, incredibly smart beyond her years um, and was his manager for a time. And there was a certain reason for that. Uh, just kind of has this look that I shouldn't leave yet. I'm kind of like, unlike Tamiko, I kind of like don't want to be the last person to be kicked out. <laughs> So I wasn't going to do anything, but um, I, I'm hearing that I should go into this room and something's going down. Man, I'm trying to be so slick going in there. I don't know what's going on. 
I almost run into this thing and I'm like, man, if I would have ran into that, that would have, that would have like made a loud noise. And then I look at it and with the lights out, he has this thing and there, it, I had, it had to be someone that knocked it over and sent me, but it was the graffiti bridge bicycle. And on the other side was a purple rain one. And I'm like, Oh my God, that thing, I probably would have done crazy damage to it. And it's like, woo, go into the room, Prince Shelby, uh, Donnell Artis, they are sitting around watching that night's show. And uh, I'm like, crap, I let my friends to the side. They're supposed to be coming in after me. They're not coming in after me. Prince is joking around. All this stuff's going on. I go back, get my friends, get Lily. Tell her, like, come in after me, blah, blah, blah. Like, they came in. She sat next to me. Uh, the other person on the other side, the funky white boy. Um and we're just watching that night's show on crystal clear DVD. Just I'm like, this guy's got everything recorded, you know, that vault. Um, he starts cracking jokes and then like it gets to a part where Maceo is doing a solo and they bring a woman on stage. And it's just like what Tamika was trying to say. This woman was looking at him, Maceo so hard, so hard. Okay. And Prince was trying to stop the DVD, just pause it like he did before to make a few jokes. And he was, cause he was trying to say like, she sees the future. Like she sees like having Maceo's kids. And then Shelby goes, Prince, Prince. She was looking at him. She was looking at Maceo. Like he was a two piece with a biscuit. And Prince just had this laugh he didn't kill over he went backwards like <laughs> and he's like that's that's the night right there you can't top that it's a good night starting to see the light coming out we should go and then we walked by the bowling alley he was walking us out being the gentleman that he is and um you know he said oh the bowling alley set up now and then we're kind of like we wanted to stay and we we're like does Prince want us to stay or is it just too late? And he's like, oh, we'll do it another time. And that another time um, never came. But I I said, thank you, Prince. And, um, you know, Julia was there, said bye to her. And then Julia didn't know because I just met her the night before that I kind of like keeping my identity incognito. That was gone. <laughs> She said something like, oh, Fungaberry is so nice. He's not what I thought he'd be. You know, all these people saying he's a jerk, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it was, whatever was discussed. Um, about two and a half hours later, I get an email from his manager asking me to, that Prince wants you to run his social media accounts and open up a new website. And of course, you know, I'm like, he finally figured everything out. The face that he's seen all these years, the identity before, and Dr. Funkenberry. And all these three things together that have always been a huge supporter of him. This was the guy that he was going to trust. But I'm not like that because I only think the trust goes so far and you got to make sure that there's boundaries. So in response to that email, I had a plan of what we could do. But I was kind of like in a way of show me the money. Let's just say I didn't hear back from her. <laughs> and a few months went by and things were going on. Um, but that started then fast forward a year later, you know, stuff's going on. Find about this artist, Andy Gallo, that he met during the forum run. They're doing stuff together. 
I've been promoting her. Um, and then she was in Sacramento with Prince one time and it got radio people's attention. And I just, Hey, I was like, Hey Andy, you want to do some radio interviews? You want to get some promotion out? She's like, sure. So I got her on the radio stations out there and then I posted the audio, which, uh, I guess Prince well, was busy at the time, maybe sleeping. I don't know, but he didn't hear it. So I get like this call at 1230. Um, Prince wants you to come to the studio tonight. And I went, uh, these whole years of us not communicating and only through email and just kind of like being the digital Claire Fisher is what someone referred to me as I was cool with. Um, I'm like, I really don't want to go there unless, unless he needs me, I'll go, but I really would not like to go if it's just something that we can discuss through email or through texting. I'm more comfortable with that. I just, I just don't want to be there. And then I was kind of like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. Cause in actuality, I was going to hang out with, 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 uh, with Maite, his ex-wife that night, um, and going out to support her and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't like do this. And then like, I go like, I'm relieved or I don't have to go to the, to the thing, you know, but I like, I still got his back. It isn't about this. And then it's kind of like, I got a text 15 minutes later. So what time are you going to the studio tonight? I'm like, crap. And I went. I'll be there after 1130. Just tell me. And then um, that's when everything changed. Um, watching the studio wearing my suit and church shoes, as he called it. Uh, had this whole thing. I'm going to be cool, be everything. You know, I knew that they wanted me to work with Andy, get some stuff done. And, um, you know, I walk into the studio. I don't knock. And then Andy and Julia get up because they met me before. And then Prince, just with the biggest smile on his face. Just like, hey, man, what's going on? And gives me the brother handshake. And he's like, thank you for posting that Andy interview on your site or else I wouldn't have heard it. And then we're listening to Andy's If I Was King. And then we'll go into this another time. But you guys have heard it before. Prince invited me to play ping pong. And then him and Andy whooped my ass. And uh, they embarrassed me. They trash talked me. And then, you know, Prince sat me down and then we talked about stuff. And then... Like he saw all my recording devices after we talked. He's like, you weren't recording that, were you? And I'm like, no, man, I know you. Come on. And then we went upstairs. Uh, he was having dinner. And then we started discussing the the masters and um, his stance on YouTube and how I was upset as a music lover that you only have one official live recording. I go, that's an injustice to music. And... Um, we fought for a little bit. There was a little bit back and forth. I think Andy and Julia felt a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, I had Prince's ear and I just wanted to bounce ideas off him. And the way that he talks, you understand where he's coming from. It's frustrating, but you understand it. And then we went back to the studio to play some tracks. And then Prince just decided that he kind of wanted to talk to me about the, talk to me about the music industry and then take me back to his hotel room. So, we talked about the music industry, changes that can be made, things that could also help promote Andy uh, in her success. And um, we went back to this hotel. I thought like he was just going to be dropped off and then I'm going to go back my way. He wanted me to come up into his room. And um, I was kind of like blown away. Like we're in the elevator, we're just talking. And he has the most beautiful suite at the Beverly Hills Hotel. That's been his hotel over the years. I can say that now because he's no longer... Uh, yeah, 
Um, we walked into the room and he's got Whitney Houston's shoop shoop playing throughout on a system. He has his uh, Jehovah Witness Bible right there. He has his um, driver hook up the laptop and then he starts playing music and then air basing in front of me, making these funk faces and just talking about like how grand everything's going to be and then wanting the best for Andy and then saying derogatory things about former people that he worked with or whatnot. Just he was, he wasn't necessarily trying to diss them. He was trying to give appreciation to Andy and I know where he was coming from. It wasn't like a slant. It's just trying to show that people don't understand how good she really is. And he wanted the best for her. And we hung out and he's like, you know, make sure you do Andy right. And, um, you know, me and Andy talked in the studio. We're trying to get some stuff done, you know, and then I wrote something on there. And then like Julia, the next day hit me up, like Prince loved what you wrote. You know, he really appreciates it. And, um, you know, I was going through some pretty bad medical things in 2012. You know, uh, friends had a party for me to raise money. Um, I was about to get evicted. I was not knowing what was going on with my body and I was scared. And, um, you know, he knew that I wanted to work for stuff. I didn't want handouts. Um, all the medical bills that I got during that time, the back rent that I had, he took care of everything and never brought it up. You guys have like no idea how generous this guy is. Like I thought I was gonna die. And he took care of everything, no questions asked. And then like the times that we'd see each other, you know, he did Jimmy Kimmel, he wanted me to go to that, the after show at the Sayers Club. Every single time, man, every single time he'd ask me how my health was. You know, he'd look out for me, made sure that I had a seat, that I'd have to stand like everyone else. Um, and he would just, you know, there was jokes going around. Like it was the first time he saw Andre Simone, like in, in almost 30 years, Taja Seville was there, Van Jones. Um, you guys just don't know how generous he is. He, as amazing as he is a musician, I don't care what anyone says about him. He's great. And just these experiences that I had of, of hearing new music and being able to share with you guys and be along for the journey and, and being honored to document his life so much so that a few years ago he was telling me how much he wants to write a book and all these things. And I'm just, you know, I thought that would be more towards the end of his career. Just like what I said last week during the podcast, I always thought that he would be doing a piano on the microphone tour at the end of his career. And I thought that was years down the road. Not now. He had so much more to give us to do. This too shall pass. The news today brought me down to my knees like I was begging God for the news to be untrue. I know this too shall pass as a war of tears scream in fear of truth. 
How can my royal one, who was so loyal to his gift, be taken so soon? My pain could move his mountains he sang about. My tears are so salty, adoring every word spoken about him. These rumors or theories are God forbid. Be truth shall pass into butterfly wings to carry me on in just passive memories. I shall cherish and always adore the beautiful ones that made me scream with passion for a new day of understanding. Maybe in seven days this too shall pass me into peace and forgiveness of not knowing. I have loved Roger Nelson since my ears were first awoken by him at the age of seven. And it carried me through until today. And I don't care how he died. I just want to know why. Just so I can understand. <laughs> he was truly an angel on earth for a limited time. It just breaks my heart so bad. That I lost him at such a young age. And I really selfishly pray that his family opens up the vault. So I can selfishly enjoy more music and talent of his for many years to come and I just want to thank you Chris for doing this podcast because I really believe that he needs to be honored for a long time thank you hey Dr. Funkenberry it's Maria from Atlanta Georgia um it really sucks that he's gone I feel like a lot of us have lost a family member um and I was actually at that last show in Atlanta and I was really Excited to have been going to my first and unfortunately now last print show, but it was an amazing experience. Amazing. I can't even put it into words. I'm still processing it. Like it's it was that much of a a profound experience. And the one thing that I'm learning through this whole situation of the 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 person, the spirit that is Prince Rogers Nelson is to always be yourself. Love yourself to where no matter what someone thinks that they're going to make you do or thinks that you should be this, that, and the third, it doesn't matter. The key to having a fulfilling life is to live by your own rules, to make sure you're happy. And I think that's something that we all can take from that. And what I will do is I'll spend the rest of my lifetime on this earth looking and discovering for more music because that's the gift that truly keeps on giving. You take care. My name is Frank Urgus, and I am from San Francisco, California. There are so many Prince memories that I cannot share just one. But I will say that I was honored enough to see 10 live performances since 1988 till March 4th at Oakland Coliseum Arena. And there was nothing more special than to see Prince perform live. To say that it was a show is an understatement. It was, it was a theatrical entertainment that invoked all the senses visually, um, auditorily, and most of all, it got you right in the heart. He helped shape who I was as a young man, saying things that I didn't know how to say at the time, and uh, exuding a personality that I wanted to achieve. So, thank you, Prince. I love you. I miss you. 2012, uh, the end of it. I'm with uh, Julia at a concert for um, Carmen at the Troubadour. And she gets uh, something on her phone that uh, Prince wants me to post. Um, I like it, they're instrumental. And I'm like, I'm like, two guitars? I'm like, is that Prince? And then she goes, it's Donna. And I didn't know the last name yet. And I'm like, her style like, is amazing. I couldn't wait to get home. Uh, to post it and I think actually we used a photo of Hannah who uh, 
was drumming at the Welcome to Chicago shows. And um, just kind of like put the word out about stuff just because we didn't know who th- who this person was and no one knew. It was just a track I like it there and it was instrumental. So I just put diagnosis, Donna, is the water warm enough? And then all of a sudden, like there was this clip, a little live clip debuted a few days later called Screwdriver and then went away and it's like, it's 10 seconds of it, but it still sounds pretty funky. And then like I'm sent something around December 24th that said, Prince wants to know if you can edit out uh, the microphone that's in front of him and use this. And then he wants you to do is shortly after midnight uh, going into 2013. He wants to tell you that this year is going to be big, that there's going to be just a different evolution of sound and more stuff coming out. And he wants to thank all the fans for the support in 2012 and that he's going to be bringing it in 2013. And um, like, okay, then like within... Um, don't know if it was the same day or whatnot, but he sent like a screwdriver lyric video, but it was like the lyrics, it was different. And then immediately after he sent it to me, it was taken, I had to take it down. I'm like, mm. <sighs> like, didn't you see this before he sent it to me? I'm like, this kind of like messes with my site, but you know, they didn't really understand that. So I just, I just did it. And then, um, they were sending me new photos one by one of, what would become third eye girl and they didn't even know it was this whole game of what is third eye girl and even uh supposedly i went after donna (laughs) on a thing like she responded like i'm not the person doing this stuff um you know i heard dr funkenberry said it but it's not me and there was this whole thing where a twitter account launched it was just just different it was so wild and it's so exciting and third eye girl was being so different than he played like i had genuine love for them uh, from Donna to Hannah to Ida to Trevor and Josh when I first met them in Las Vegas. Um, it just was so incredible. Um, but going back back to this stuff, like they're rehearsing in Minnesota and then I'm getting sent these photos and then I kind of like, I say something about uh, Byerly's and then any up of Bunkers and then Julia goes, Prince is cracking up over here. And the next text, text is, Prince wants to know when you're going to take the next flight to get here to check out this band. And it's the dead of winter. Now you got to understand, like, I, I haven't been in anything lower than 40 degrees. Maybe 37, it got really cold in, in December once out here. It's like minus five. And I'm like, Julia, you're crazy. Like, you know, like, I guess when he comes out here to rehearse, like, oh, that's not going to happen. And I like, how many people would pass up on a chance to see Prince rehearse a new band or new music at his Paisley Park Studios. I was crazy enough to do it. Um, You know, and then he did some shows at the Dakota. And then, like, I felt bad about passing out. He's like, Prince wants to know if you come over, come out here and cover it. I just started doing a spree cast. We just got covered in Billboard. Um, He just had the cover. It was amazing. And I'm like, sure, I'll go out there. And then um, I was kind of like, oh, he wants to come out now, huh? Then I was like, forget it. So I didn't come out. I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to play this game. It's cool. You know, we're still doing stuff, uh, doing our spreecast every week. And he's sending us news items and and what he wants to do, asking fans about what music wants to be played or what they want to hear or what they'd want if the vault was open. It's because he had this plan 
and it's from emails that I have still what they want to do. But I think right now it'd be on a bigger scale when it comes to the vault. Uh, but that's something that will be discussed down the road, what his plans were and what, you know, he let me know what he wanted and a few other people knew about it. That was a couple of years ago. So he may have changed his mind since then. Um, so he kept doing the shows and then he wanted to have a press conference to announce that Third Eye Girls going on tour. And every single time that they were going to announce it, like the weather would be somewhat nice in Minnesota. Uh, on days he didn't plan, it would be like maybe in the high 30s. Every single time that he was trying to plan to have the press conference, it was snow because he wanted Rolling Stone and other people to come out and cover it, not just myself. So here it is. I passed up on Paisley again. Now I can't get there. Now that I manned up and said, screw it, I'll deal with the snow. Couldn't get out there. And then they just kept delaying the press conference for so much that I just get like a text from Julia. Can we announce uh, the tour on your show? I went, absolutely. You know, we had a little bit of trouble with the internet at Paisley because there's all these things kind of like blocking it. But we we worked it out and they announced their tour on my show. And I was so excited because there was California dates coming up and all this stuff. Vegas. Um, it was awesome. Uh, <clears throat> at the Anaheim show, like, you know, I always, I would stare at his guitar playing and his guitar, his fingering of it. Don't get dirty. I wasn't thinking like that. Um, and he saw that and he's seen it over the years. Cause again, he rec he put everything together. And like that, that kid that I saw at those shows that was underage going into the after shows, remembered everything. It all clicked with him. And um, so what does he do? He sees me not looking at him like all the other girls that are trying to look if he's wearing underwear or the fro or whatnot. I'm just looking at the guitar playing. So he gets right down in my face, like close, like close like you women would love to get that close and i'm just like oh my god and he starts doing these crazy things with his eyes and i am so embarrassed and here's josh and trevor behind me and they probably thought i was such a jerk but i was just so embarrassed that that was happening and that was like the thing that was and he didn't realize it my feet pain was so bad that i decided that that show was gonna be my last show front row ever to see him that that was it and then that happens like I said, there's just been these certain things throughout the years that me and Prince have shared, whether it's the same wavelength or whatnot. I haven't been able to uh, decipher what it is. There's no such thing as coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. You know, you can say coincidence or fate. It's just these certain things. So that was like my big send off. Then there was like um, an after party that I went to and he was kind of upset uh, with Paul Peterson about something and Paul was at the party and you know, Prince wanted me to kind of like talk with him about stuff. And then just asking Paul, like, dude, like, I want to help promote you. Like, he, I guess he wants to leave the family in the past. So I'll do everything I can to help out F Deluxe. You just tell me and I'll help you. And, you know, Paul's a strong, strong headed person. I'm a strong headed person. Over, over the years, we've kind of like had conflict, but Paul's a brother. You know, I saw him, we hugged. I asked him, I just told him, whatever you need me to do, I'll help you guys out. And I feel I can help F Deluxe out more than I have. And that's on me. Um, but, you know, like Andre Simone was there, other people. He, like he talked to Paul for a minute and it just seemed, 
I don't like bugging Prince. And, you know, like I said, people just be trying to go for his attention or whatnot. So I just went up to Julia. Hey, I'm going to leave. Can you tell Prince, thank you for everything, everything, just thank you, you know? And she's like, absolutely. And she's like, you want to stick around? I'm like, I don't want to bug him, you know, that's it. Um, we did things like he flew me out to Paisley that summer. He had suggestions about, um, the spree cast. He really felt that I should be doing the site less and be concentrating more on social media and being, uh, host, hosting shows by myself. Um, I think he realized that I wasn't comfortable in front of cameras and that in order for me to succeed and be the person that he felt that I always could be, I need to get over that fear of cameras. So we talked for countless hours at night. He flew me out to Paisley, saw them rehearse for Montreux. Uh, we talked about books, Lady Gaga, and um, how much, you know, that despite her like changing her image all this time, like she's going to be fine. She's going to be a trailblazer. Like that's something that you guys worry about, meaning us as reporters and whatnot. And just the ideas that he had for the books and what he wanted to do to see it come to fruition. I don't know if they're going to reach out to me to make sure that this book gets done. Um, willing to help out. There's certain things that I don't want to share that he entrusted in me. Um, but as you guys know, and you guys can tell by listening to this very long adventure, um, I want to do him right. And I will continue to do him right. Um, that night, in order for me to get over my fear of uh, the camera that I never expressed to him. Uh, he wanted me to go outside and interview the fans that were waiting outside of Paisley um, and bring a few in at a time. And Trevor was working the camera. For some reason, the sound wasn't working that great because there's gonna be there's gonna be another segment where we introduce the first guitar that Prince ever played on and the fans are gonna be able to touch it. But we had to scrap that segment because the sound wasn't working well enough in the camera. But I went, okay, Jay, all right. Like I didn't see um, the live stream since I was there and no one really wanted to record it because it's only me, it isn't Prince, which I can totally understand. Um, I did hear derogatory comments about me, which whatever. I always felt that I needed to get better and um, do stuff. And Prince gave me advice that night that I really wished that I would have taken earlier. He was 100% right. And um Flash forward to all this stuff, you know, him doing Arsenio, all these other things. We're going to get into it because we have to do, we're going to do another show for you guys. Some things that we didn't get to, we'll play next week. I really would like to have um, some former band members talk and whatnot. Um, but flash forward to everything. And then he, even though we've had disagreements or arguments or whatever, I never took it personally. He never took it personally. Like, that whole thing would happen to the plane, like immediately, 10 minutes of it going down, he's he's telling me to report on a party and get there. And I just, I don't tell anyone. I've always kind of like been like this. I really don't like telling people I am somewhere until I'm there. I had one time people find out I went to Minneapolis for a special event on 777. The girl wasted $2,000. Well, not to her wasted, but because I was there and she would know someone that's there, she went and that's my whole thing is that you don't know what's going to go down and then you feel responsible for it. And I just kind of don't like being followed and, and whatnot. And it's also about being private, which 
I understand because he's the same way and I'm the same way. And over uh, the past year or so, I've been working less on the site. I've been always been trying to take care of prints, make sure to promote the shows, do everything I can. But I've been concentrating on my health and to get stuff down so I can be better on camera. Uh, camera. So here it is. I'm the only one there that has a platform that will make sure to get out the word that he's okay. So I contact uh, TMZ. I go, hey, if you guys want someone who went to the party, I'll be there on Monday to tell you about it. And I'm like, they're like, okay, we'll have you on. And I'm like, all right, Jay, this is it. He told you to get more comfortable in front of a camera. He wanted you, wanted this stuff for you. This is it. You got to dispel these rumors that, that are upsetting him and handle it. Um, and I did that. And of course, like we find out all these things are going on and we'll, we'll find out what's going on. But, uh, all of it's just tragic, you know, as Dave Chappelle called it, called it the black nine 11, uh, when he passed and there were all these people. I mean, first you had the good people, you know, when, when he passed, you had Stevie wonder, you had Jimmy jam, you had Van Jones on there talking about him. And then the scum started to come out that didn't know him from Adam talking stuff about him. And I did an interview with the AP, um, the Associated Press. And I just said, okay, it's time to come out from the Dr. Funkenberry shadow. And I put my full name out there. Um, I need credibility. Dr. Funkenberry on CNN is not going to fly. I need to have my real name out there and I need to do this for him. Regardless of my, me not wanting my identity out there to be known that way, he deserves someone to protect him. So the AP interview um, caused all these people to, to contact me, 2020 CNN. Um, the, the 2020 stuff was recorded Thursday night. Um, except for my segment, uh, the segments that they had with everyone was recorded Thursday night and, um, mine was recorded Friday. And then there was the re these reports out Friday about stuff that, um, I knew nothing about and I'm not going to go that route. So my interview with 2020 was trying to talk about those things that, uh, may have happened on the plane or whatnot. And I was not going to give them any fuel, any ammunition. So my segment got bumped from 2020 to, to nightline, whatever, who cares? I'm not going to do him like that. My segment on, on nightline was three seconds. Who cares? You know, they used footage, uh, video footage of my and some other stuff for the 2020 special, but I didn't care. I rather not be on there as prepared as I was. I rather not be on there, uh, than, uh, take them, take, take, say stuff that I know nothing about and that no one else knows nothing about. Just hearsay, just crap. Uh, so I made sure that on CNN, you know, when I agreed to do the interview, that that wasn't going to happen either. And um, I get to CNN and there's this one schlub. Like I said, these people that, that say they know him are saying all these things about him. Like, man, this guy was. It was typical L.A. douche. And um, he's going to be on there talking about Warner Brothers 
records in uh, his fight over the Masters. And he was saying, well, I have to get off the phone with you because I have to research about this. He wanted to be on TV so bad. They reached out to him. He knew nothing about it, was researching it there before they put him live on the air. Then they had some other schmuck that said that uh, he was the president of Paisley Park back in the day and said all these things like, oh, the most beautiful girl in the world. You know, I helped him uh, get that single, get that record deal, and it never appeared on a Warner Brothers album. And I'm just shutting my mouth like, let this guy look like an idiot on there. You don't know about the gold experience? I'm like, you know, I knew about this stuff. I didn't think I was going to be talking about stuff like this, about a passing to a way I felt I'd be gray. Um, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to let them do him like that. So when I went on CNN, you know, very nervous being on camera on, on a big thing like that. But, you know, this is what he was setting me up for. I just didn't realize it, you know. Um, and I, I hope I did him proud. And I've done other interviews like that. And I refuse to put it into a negative light and discuss stuff that is just rumors right now. And all I can say about all this is that, as I said before, I don't think how much he knew how much that we loved him. And he did love us in in a different way. You know, he, he may have wanted us to love him in a certain way and we just couldn't do it. It was just, you know, scars and all. You did it. And he loved us too. And with all this that's going on, with all the mystery surrounding his death, uh, the chaos of what's going to happen with the vault, and other things like I want to do him right and I'm fighting for him. I haven't slept in a while. I kind of grieved a little bit with you guys and I appreciate you letting me have that form for it. Um, this has always been about him and it always will be. And I will continue to fight for what I believe that he wanted, no matter how many people it upsets. I just want to leave you with this. And this is a, uh, Something he said recently, uh, how I obtained it or whatnot, we don't really need to know. Um, but Prince had these words um, not too long ago. Every day is a new day, new subjects, new everything. This is our new everything right now, and we'll get it through together. We'll get through it together. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be doing a part two for this. We all love him. And we'll continue to love him. No matter what. Lost in the drive 
Little did you know When you're stuck in the snow You ain't gonna get out alive Tears fall gently in my garden As I wait in vain for my baby to call Oh, I guess my sweet darling If I'm gonna love me, love me at all Snare Played strong horns Break it down again Night fell so dark this evening The sun wasn't shining nowhere Sometimes it's so light in the alley Light up this heart of mine Wondering if there's somebody who really cares Horns, turn it up Feel better, better than I feel right now. If I don't see you no more, sugar, yeah, yeah. I don't know how. Somebody help me sing. Sure they will Till they get what you got Then they'll show you The friends that they're not Friends for sale Thank you, Prince. Thank you for everything. For the music. For the love. For the understanding. For being one of the most kindest, generous human beings on the planet. And being the most talented musician and live performer that ever lived. Thank you. We will continue to love you, to celebrate you, and just have this journey no matter what, the journey is not over. Thank you. <laughs>